Come on, just can we just lift our hands for him once more this morning, lift our hearts. What an amazing honor it is to be in the presence of the living God. Lord, we thank you for your abiding presence. We thank you, Lord, that your word declares that you inhabit the praises of your people, of Israel and your church. And Father, when we focus on you and we lift our hearts and we lift songs unto you, you feel the atmosphere, Lord. Father, may your glory be tangible in this place this morning, Lord. May none of us leave the place that we leave the way that we came into this place, God, but may our hearts be set ablaze with your eternal purposes, Lord. We declare, God, that there's so much more of you that's available to us, and we avail ourselves to you right now. Come, Lord Jesus. Go beyond the sound of words from lips of clay. Go beyond talents and gifts on a platform. And Jesus, break into our hearts. Shatter indifference, awaken passion, set the captive free, ignite hunger as never known before. May the fire of your Holy Spirit begin to burn in all of our lives today. May we never be the same. Because right now we say, Jesus, you are worthy to be worshipped. You are worthy to be adored. You are worthy to be magnified. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many of you realize he's, he's worthy of a hand clap this morning? Come on, let's, let's praise him. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. You're a good looking people this morning. Whew. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's always an honor and a privilege to be back at River of Life and to be back in Wakala County, my home county. Amen. You know, they always say you can, I know you've heard this probably a million times, but this will be a million and one. You can take the boy out of Wakala County. But you can't take the Wakala County out of the boy. Isn't that right, Scooter? <clears throat> Amen. So it, it's always good to be back here physically and so many familiar faces. I mean, really, every time I come here, I really feel like I'm with family. I don't feel like I'm visiting a church. And, you know, we're blessed to preach in a lot of different venues and churches and settings. But um, there's something about coming back to River of Life. And so I, I'm honored to be here. If you don't know who I am, my name is Keith Collins. And um, actually, many years ago, back in the late 90s, that's a long time ago now, <laughs> um, I was honored to serve on staff here with Pastor Henry and Chuck and Diane and Callie and different ones that were here during that time. And just, you know, this, this church has always been so special, important to my family and I. So um, Brother Henry and I go back many years. He's one of the first pastors that ever trusted me to preach in his pulpit. He's regretted it ever since. No, just kidding. No, I'm kidding. But really, when I was a 16-year-old boy and recently saved and delivered out of using drugs and alcohol and all the other crazy things that a lot of us sitting in this room used to do, um, he, he trusted me. Even before I had any type of official theological training or anything, he, he trusted me to, to preach at the old Sopchoppy First Baptist um, sanctuary before they built the new bigger one. And... Um, I remember what I preached then, believe it or not. You remember? I know it really impacted you. 
I, I, preached Amer- I preached a message on America and how that it was being destroyed due to the, the moral foundations being stripped away from, from our nation. And wow, it's, it's, it's gone a lot farther than today than, than what I was preaching back then. But, um, but anyway, I, I have a, just a special connection with this house and with this ministry and I've always just felt like this was home. And also my, some of my family's here with me this morning and they've all prepared a song. They're going to come and sing. <laughs> Josh is going to lead us, right, John? <laughs> just kidding. And my wife, Darla, is here and my daughter, Ashton. And my grandson is in the, the nursery. I see Caroline, Josh, Brittany, Sarah, and Melanie's here. So would you, would you folks just stand up just for a minute so folks can see how beautiful you are? Awesome. Amen. Thank you. We're, we're blessed to be here as a Collins unit this morning. Amen. Amen. Darla and I were just recently, just the last three days, we were in Dothan, Alabama, where our, our ministry, um, we have a network of, of leaders and missionaries, pastors, Christian business leaders from around the world that we call Impact Global Fellowship that we launched about, about almost two years, January 1st will be two years ago that we officially launched IGF. And um, this is our second annual conference and we had it in Dothan because one of our affiliates and one of my former students from the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry um, pastors an awesome church there, Victory Family Church. So we've been, we've been with a lot of just hungry people for Jesus over the last few days. And, and I knew I was going to be in the area, so I called Pastor Henry weeks back and just told him I would be here. And so I, I appreciate you opening the pulpit to me this morning, brother. Um, I want to share just one simple thought with you this morning. You know, Friday night, I was, I was blessed to, to lay hands on multiple people that, that were being ordained for the work of the ministry and and we anointed them with oil as we see in the old testament and the new testament and we we laid hands on them and we some of us prophesied over them kind of like when paul talked about the words of prophecy that came over timothy regarding the calling of god upon his life and we were we were just blessed to lay hands on them recognizing that they have been recognized And I believe that true ordination, number one, comes from the Lord. Number two, it comes from the fact that I think we have to be a part of a community of believers, right? In other words, when Henry Jones had a call, and I've heard about this even from Miss Myra, but when he had a call of God upon his life, he didn't have to convince everybody there was a call of God. The community of believers could see that God had called him into ministry. So, So I believe it's important, and we're all called to ministry but, you know, there is a, a five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I believe that the, the body of believers, the family of believers, should recognize and prove those individuals before we ever lay hands on them. Paul said to Timothy, don't lay hands on anyone too quickly. In other words, make sure that they're qualified through integrity, through faithfulness, right? So, so we, were, we were blessed to anoint and to pray for just an amazing group of folks from all over, New Jersey, Arkansas, Tennessee, Florida, um, Alabama. I don't know where all that came from, but, but multiple locations around the country and some from the Philippines and um, one just getting out of Thailand. So, so anyway, we were blessed. But I just began to think about um, before I was sharing in that service Friday night about oil. And um, I was reminded of a parable that I'm going to read here in just a minute. 
And, you know, I know that, that we go sometimes through the motions of doing things and it just can become common nature to, to lay hands on someone's anointing with oil. But I've realized through study and through history that, um, that the Lord has a very special connection with what oil represents and what it means. So in the Old Testament, we first of all see where Aaron and his sons were anointed by Moses, right? You can look at um, Exodus chapter 8 as well as I think 28. There's multiple verses, there are multiple narratives there that, that deal with the setting apart or the anointing of these men as priests unto the Lord. We can go into the New Testament and we see again where, where Paul laid his hands on Timothy and even imparted spiritual gifts into his spiritual um, son or a spiritual protege and even encourage him to fan the flame of God. Remember, remember the hands that were laid on to you. So it's a very, I believe, sacred, um, powerful thing that we do. But this thing about oil just began to kind of mess with me. And sometimes preachers get messed with, with a certain theme or a certain scripture or something like that. So I want to talk to you about something that I'm simply going to call we need oil. Simple. We need oil, friend. More than ever before, we need oil. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me read some verses to you. Psalm 84, verses 1 through 2. Hear the sons of Korah. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And what does that have to do with oil? I'll show you in just a few minutes. Matthew 5 and 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now I want to take you to the, the oil narrative or the oil passage here. Very familiar parable from our Lord. Matthew chapter 25 and verses 1 through 13. Matthew 25 Verses 1 through 13. Listen to the word of the Lord closely this morning. I want to show you some things in here. I believe the Lord showed me Friday before I shared in that ordination service. It said, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil. For our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But you go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. And afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know Neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Friend, the oil is important this morning. Now, there's a lot that we could 
dissect from this, this passage of Scripture. And, I mean, we could go through the, the wedding custom of this hour because there's certain things that, that the, the readers or the hearers of this would have automatically registered with. The, the wedding party and the way the bridegroom would often comes with, come with friends and would stay at the bride's house before they were even united, not, you know, not consummating the marriage. But, but there was this whole wedding, Jewish wedding protocol. And most scholars, most theologians believe that these 10 virgins represented maybe what we would call bridesmaids in this day, right? So five of them were, were foolish and five were wise. So the point of the entire parable that the Lord wants us to see this morning is we need to be ready, friend. In other words, this is literally about now, whether it's the, the coming of the Lord at the rapture of the church or whether it's the coming at the beginning of the millennial reign. And there's different thoughts and teachings about that. But put that aside for a minute. We're not talking about that here so much. The thrust or the purpose of the parable is Jesus is telling us we better have oil in our lamps. There, there better be this continual union and experience with the Lord in our lives because it is only that that sustains the reservoir of oil. Now, let me, let me just show you a few points this morning. I'm going to try to be very homiletically good. I'm usually not anymore, but... Let me give you some, some really good points this morning because I think it's important for us to once again look into this parable and say, Lord, what are you saying in 2021 by this parable? What does this mean to, to Keith Collins standing in the River of Life pulpit this morning in, in this Sunday, this beautiful Sunday? What does it mean to you as a father, as a mother, as a Labor as a business owner, how does this impact my life? Why do I need oil and what does it mean? Let me show you some points that the Lord just very clearly gave me Friday about this oil. Number one, in this parable, we can see that every single person was ready with the appearance of a right connection or a right walk with God. Kind of reminds me of Ephesians Chapter, I'm sorry, Revelation, where it talks about Ephesians, Revelation chapter 2, and how that the church of Ephesus, the church of Ephesians, was really, if you read about them, they, they were doctrinally sound. They resisted false apostles. I mean, to look at the condition of that church in Ephesus, if you read that just from the first parts of those verses, you would say, man, that is the church that I want to be connected with. However, Jesus goes on to say, as he does in five of the seven churches of Asia Minor, he says to them, listen, I have this against you. You have left or you have forsaken your first love. In other words, you have left your oil. You have, have walked away from what's important and what is foundational. And listen, point number one, too many of us focus on the lamp and the wick while neglecting the oil. Now, I wish I had a beautiful lantern to hold up here or maybe even one of those Middle Eastern, you're seeing the clay Lanterns where they have the wick that goes down in it and you fill the oil and you burn the lantern. Many people are really excited about the lantern and they're excited about the wick. 
However, my friend, you can have the greatest lantern, you can have the greatest wick, but if you don't have oil in the lamp, it is useless except for decor. I believe there are, there are many people in, in the church that they are very focused and dedicated on the lamp and the wick of their life. And listen, there's nothing, I'm not saying that's a sin. I mean, the things that the church of Ephesus were doing right, it was not wrong or unbiblical. Matter of fact, it was complimentary. The Lord complimented them in those things. But he said, there's one thing that you're missing. You've got the lamp and you've got the wick. Every virgin had a lamp. Every virgin had a wick, but only five had oil. May we not focus this morning so much on the lamp and the wick, even though God can use the lamp and God will use the wick. But friend, do we have the oil this morning? The reason I I read from from Psalm and I I read from Matthew 5 is because I believe there there is one dynamic that has to stay steady in the life of every believer, including every preacher. Let me be transparent. I can preach without fresh oil. He says, that's blasphemous. No, it's really not. Some of the greatest preachers I've ever heard were living in adultery or maybe addicted to something while they were preaching and anointed. They had the wick and they had the lamp, but the oil was not present. The the gift of the lamp and the gift of the wick were in their lives, but the glory and the holiness and the intimacy with Jesus that comes from the oil was absent. And eventually, my friend, We show up and we can impress and put on the dog for a season. But eventually we got to get real and we've got to say, I don't want to do this just because I have a calling to do this. I want the oil of gladness and joy and intimacy with Jesus in my life. I want to bear witness with the sons of Korah in Psalm 84 when they said, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. Friend, are you a wick and a lantern this morning without any oil? I'm telling you, the oil is available this morning. Number two, all the virgins had a lamp and a wick, but only five had oil. I was thinking, sometimes there's a light that goes on in our cars. When I was poor, well, I'm not saying that I'm rich, I'm not, but when I was too poor to pay attention years ago in the ministry, <laughs> my grandpa used to say, too poor to have a pot to pee in. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about, po, poor. But when I was real poor, <laughs> Sometimes the light would come on in my dash and my little 81 Volkswagen Rabbit. And I'm like, man, I got to get this fixed. I didn't change my oil like 6,000 miles. And man, and so, so I learned how to change my own oil because I was too poor to go to Super Lube or wherever, Quick Lube. And I learned how to do those things. But sometimes in our spiritual walk, we ignore that warning light. There's something about the engine. It can be powerful. It can be built with precision. It can be mechanically in place. But if you extract the oil from the engine of your car, I promise you, friend, it will only go so far. 
You see, in our spiritual walks with God, it's not enough to have the car. It's not enough, again, to have the wick and the lamp, as I'm talking about here. But friend, if we negate the oil, why? Because the life is in the oil. Again, God paid special attention to oil. Even in the Old Testament, the ingredients were sacred, so much so that if you imitated or faked the anointing oil, there was a curse or God would rebuke that. In other words, it was against the nature of God to fake the anointing. I'm going to be real open with you this morning, friend. We can fake it till we make it, but we're never really going to make it without a full, a full tank of oil in our spiritual lives. God is not calling me to be a better preacher. In other words, when you're 53 years old, you've been preaching as long as I have, you realize it really ain't going to get any better than this. So you just kind of get set free to love on Jesus, be intimate with him, love on people, preach the gospel. Lay hands on people, encourage people, challenge people, right? It's not about the lamp. It's not about the wick. It's not about the car. It's not about the gift or the preaching. It's about the oil. The oil represents an experience, an ongoing epiphany in our lives, not just a one-time salvation experience, which is so vital and so important, but the oil represents the continual experience of the love of Jesus in our hearts, the continual awareness of him calling us into deeper places of intimacy with him, the, the continual places of knowing him as he makes himself known to us. Number three, the five virgins with oil represent the truly born again church. They have determined that whatever occurs they will be ready with eagerness. The bridegroom comes in the night hour. They're all asleep. Read the parable. They're all, all 10 are sleeping, right? Most people sleep in the middle of the night. All 10 are sleeping. So it's, the parable is not about whether you do a lot or do a little, whether you sleep or don't sleep. The parable is, are you ready at all times? In other words, do you know that you know that you know that you are born again of the spirit of God and that the oil of the Lord is real in your life? Do you know that if Jesus should come this morning while Keith Collins is standing on this platform and he breaks through the sky and the Lord comes back, do you know that you're ready? Do you have oil, friend? Do you know that you're right with God? Do you know that you're ready should he return? Friend, this is, this is the picture that the Lord wants us to see. Number four, the five virgins without oil represent false believers who enjoy the benefits of the Christian community void of true love for Jesus, our true walk with God. In other words, they are more in love with the wedding celebration and the party than they are with seeing the bridegroom. You see, if our hope is merely in the association with true believers, give us your oil, they said in verse 8, then we'll find ourselves without oil. You see, they were among the true 
believers, so to speak, understanding the, the parabolic or the parable here, the parabolic language that the Lord uses. They, they were among the five that were ready. They, they were excited about the wedding feast, the wedding party, the, the wedding ceremony. They were there. They were involved. They had their lamp and they had their wick. But they neglected the oil that made them ready when the bridegroom and his party would come. The, the custom was there would be a party that would meet them with lights. And it was celebratory. It was symbolic of this beautiful union that was about to take place. So the Lord uses this historical wedding type of event to show us that there are people that are sitting here this morning, people that will hear this message through the internet or however they'll hear it. And listen, you might even love the church, the activities of the church. But you live on the peripheral. You, you live on the sideline. Listen, I was never, despite what you've been told, I was never the greatest athlete that came out of Wakala High School. But the sports I did play, there ain't no way I was sitting no bench for anybody. If I was going to go to practice every day of the week during school, then when it came, whether Thursday night or whether a, a baseball, whatever it was, friend, I, I at least, they knew that I was there doing anything I could do. And I, I was, no matter of fact, Brian Kent was a much better baseball player than me. I don't know if he's here this morning. However, I started because I was just dedicated, right? You see, when it comes to serving God, I don't want to be on the sideline. I don't want to know. Listen, to them that knoweth much and they're not faithful over what they know, it's a dangerous thing. Even to know to do right and not to do it, it becomes sin. I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago on the, the the, the sin of prayerlessness. And I talked about how it's a sin of omission and not commission. In other words, we can be coming to a religious setting and, and not be in adultery and not be an alcoholic and not be doing drugs and not be using profane language and not defrauding people and lying and cheating. We can come and sit in that environment, but that does not mean that we have oil. That doesn't mean that we know Jesus. That doesn't mean that we're ready. For the Lord, the bridegroom, should he return. They all had the lamp and the wick. But only five had the oil. Number five. We must not be found going away to make the purchase when Jesus returns. Verse 10. When the bridegroom comes, the five foolish virgins said... Give us of your oil. We don't have any. The wise virgin said, if we give to you, we'll not have enough oil for ourselves and for you. Go away and buy, purchase from those who sell oil. Can I tell you something, friend? We can gamble with life. We can gamble with time. I had a dear friend who's been a missionary in Thailand for 16 years. I, I've known him all the way since the Pensacola Brownsville Revival days. I had him share Saturday morning, yesterday morning, with our fellowship. And, and you know, he was talking about how he's seen God move and different miracles and signs and wonders that they had 
had seen in Thailand. But the thing that, that stood out to me was not the miracles and not the testimonies and, you know, very hard Buddhist nation. The thing that stood out to me was the oil that was on this man. I mean, there was, I'm not saying you could see physical oil, but in my right daughter, there was oil on this man. I mean, he, he stood there and he, he's, he's not animated like me. He talks kind of like this. The tears just flowing down his eyes as he just talks about the beauty of Jesus. And I could see him just laying hands. He said he had one, he's a dentist. He sold his practice in Oxford, Mississippi years ago. But he said the first time he laid hands on this blind lady and her eyes just completely opened and said it freaked him out. He said, I, he said I, I'm a nobody, but, but I know somebody. And, and really he was, sounds weird, but he was oily. <laughs> there was something that was emanating from him yesterday morning that challenged and even convicted me in a good way. That out of intimacy with Jesus, we can have such an impact on our generation, friend. Darla and I, many years ago, 1999 or so, we were in the United Kingdom in the little nation of Wales. We were with a group of students from the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry and another leader and his wife. And the day before we flew back home, to Pensacola, the leader over there, a dear friend of ours, Peter Yeoman, he, he wanted us to go and meet an elderly couple up in their 90s. And they were, if I remember right, 94, 95, a man and woman. He said, Keith, these are, this is a couple that for years at the Bible College of Wales, they will bring the students just to sit in the living room with these people because it's so profound what happens just sitting in their living room. So I didn't know what to expect, but we walked in this little house and if you ever been in that part of the world, unless you're part of the royal family or a duke or a duchess, I mean, most people live in very small type flats, they call them. We walked in this little home, maybe, maybe 700 square feet, the entire home. Little crude furniture, I mean, not much on the walls, just a very plain home. They were so sweet, inviting us in and they had tea and biscuits, we call them cookies down here in the south but anyway they, they invited us in and and all of a sudden we sat down and the little brother gets up and he just begins to sing Derek probably one of the worst singing voices I've ever heard in my life let me tell you what happened within I'm not exaggerating 30 45 seconds the glory of Jesus fell in that living room and then after he sang some of these old hymns of the church for a while He's like, Brother Peter, can I pray for the children? I guess when you're 96, a 30-year-old is a child, right? He, he begins to walk around the room, his little wife walking beside him. He begins to walk around the room. He's, oh, God, may they know the glory of your presence. May they know your love that captures hearts of men. May they know your fire. And I'm going to tell you what I experienced. I felt like I was in a warp zone. I mean, I mean, it was the most, and I'm not trying to sound weird, but it was so saturated with the glory of Jesus that it marked me in a deep and a profound way. He had the oil, friend. Oh, he wasn't the greatest communicator. He surely wasn't a great singer. 
But there was something in him and on him that whenever he began to minister to this group of young students and a few of us leaders, we were impacted by the oil of the Holy Spirit in a deeply profound way. You see, this generation does not need to hear Keith Collins preach. This generation needs to feel and to know the Jesus that has set me free. And and the main reason they know that, and, and I believe in preaching, don't misunderstand, but the main reason they know that is because I steward my reservoir of oil. I maintain the flame of God in my heart. I I give myself to Jesus despite what I feel or do not feel. Despite circumstances and challenges, friend, the main thing that matters is that I know Jesus. He knows me. He's way more in love with me than I can ever be with him. And when that becomes real, friend, everything in your life begins to shift and begins to change. Your hearts are set ablaze. And we need oil this morning. It's that, it's, that, it's that simple, but it's that deep. Some things are simply profound. We need oil, friend. Oh, I, I, I've tried a lot of stuff. I've tried ministry. I've even tried some education. And thank, God uses those things. I'm not against those things. I have... Um, I've tried to start things in my own strength. I've tried to pastor things in my own intellect. Come on. I've tried to be Ron Herbonke or Billy Graham standing on mission fields and preaching to thousands of Muslims. And I've tried a lot of that stuff. And God's blessed some of those efforts. But can I tell you something? The older I get, the more simple this becomes. If I'll give myself to the oil, the oil will just flow out. It's not about my effort. It's about my intimacy with Jesus. It's not about my gifting. It's about his love, his mercy, his power, and his grace that sets the captives free. Can I tell you something? I have laid hands on demon-possessed people around the world. And I have watched them writhe under demonic influence as tears filled my eyes because of the torment that they were going in. And I have watched the love of Jesus arrest their hearts as those demons came out of them. And a demon, a demoniac completely being set free. You, you never get over that, friend. Can I tell you what else I've seen? I've seen people that are consumed with religion and going through the motions of Christianity that have never really known Jesus intimately. And his love breaks into their hearts. And I've watched passion and joy and power begin to spring forth in their lives. And you watch these people. Sometimes they're uncomfortable to be around because they always, they're always loving Jesus. Even in the middle of a Florida State football game, they just want to talk about Jesus. <laughs> Listen, I'm a deer hunter. I'm going to West Virginia in three weeks again, and we'll be hunting up there with my son-in-laws and some other brothers of mine from New Jersey. And, and I love that, but I'm going to tell you something. We, we've made a commitment, especially Kurt. I was with him this weekend. He was from New Jersey. We said, brother, we want to make time this year that we really focus on some worship time with the Lord. If we have to get up an hour early, we usually hit, head into the woods at 430. We'll get up at 330. Listen, I, I don't want anything to, to distract me from the oil, friend. 
I don't want anything to hinder me from intimacy with Jesus. For maybe you're here this morning. You know what? You can stand with me this morning. Maybe you're here this morning, friend. And you've got a lamp and you've got a wick. Maybe you're here and you know what? You've even had, an, some of you have had an experience with the Lord and you have given your life to Jesus, but the oil has depleted. One preacher said, we have to maintain a prayer life because we leak. I don't know about you, but I leak. <laughs> I leak. And there is an experience with Jesus this morning that's available to everyone here. Some of you are here this morning and, and the Lord is calling you home. He, he's calling you to give your heart and your life to him. Friend, this is not rocket science. This is the love of Jesus transforming a life. There's oil flowing in this room right now. The presence of the living God is in our midst right now. He's here to set some of you free. Some of you need to be set free from dead religion. You've known about God your entire life, but you've never intimately known him. I don't care. Listen, my friend Ben shared a testimony. His daddy got saved 13 months ago at the age of 94. And this man was a journalist. He was a journalism professor at, at, at Ole Miss. And he was into all this Scientology and stuff. And the Lord, through Ben's prayers, made himself known to him. And literally, the Lord visited this man. And he called Ben on the phone. And he said, the Lord has been in my midst. And he humbled his heart and repented before God. I don't care if you're 94 or 19, friend. I'm telling you, Jesus. Jesus can set you free this morning. He can give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. Some of you need to come and give your heart to Jesus. You just need to come and say, you know what? I'm tired of fighting this. I, I, I don't know what to do with this, God. I'm just going to give it to you. God's not asking you to get clean to come up here. God's just asking you to come the way that you are, friend. Some of you need to, some of you, listen, some of you need a home church. You know Why? Because, friend, you need to be connected with people that have oil. One thing I found about oily people, they smear it all over you. I've hung out with the dry folks, and I don't want to no, I want people that have oil. People that love Jesus. People that aren't ashamed of the gospel. People that have a heart for a lost and dying world. People that love young people. Hear me, friend. We need some oil in our lives. I want you to bow your heads this morning before this invitation is open, or this altar is open in this invitation. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your presence is here this morning. Lord, we need you, Jesus. More than life, more than air, more than anything, Jesus, we need you. Lord, right now, I pray that you would just begin to deal with hearts, set the captive free, Lord. Let people come into that experience of knowing you this morning. And Lord, even those that are here, that they need to come and they need to say, Jesus, I need fresh oil. May they come this morning and be refreshed, re-baptized in the spirit. Father, even those that need to come and say, I need a home. I, I need to be with people that have oil. May they come and realize the importance of connecting with a family of believers, Lord, that we're not called to do this on our own. That oil produces more oil as fire produces more fire. Brother, may this be a, a morning 
where you're glorified through lives that are transformed. Amen. Pastor Henry, this altar is open, friend.